Programming Throwdown, episode 94. Search at Etsy. Take it away, Jason. Hey, everybody. We have a pretty awesome episode here. We have an interview episode with Liang Ji, who's Director of Engineering, Data Science, and Machine Learning at Etsy. And Liang Ji is going to tell us you know, all about kind of how search works. When you type search, uh, a search query into that box, you know, what, what actually happens under the hood. Um, Liang Ji, why don't you talk about, like, introduce yourself and talk about um, you know, kind of what led you to the path that took you to where you are now? Yeah, sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me here. Uh, so I'm Liang Ji Hong. Uh, I'm a director of engineering, data science, and machine learning here at Etsy. Uh, so I'm managing the organization uh, of applying machine learning to a lot of different products here at Etsy. So currently, we have a um, mix of data scientists and a machine learning engineer here at Etsy. Uh, working on problems like search, which is kind of the major topic we are going to talk about today, uh, as well as other domains like uh, recommendations, uh, advertising as well. Uh, we have engineers uh, present in both of our headquarters, New York City office, as well as San Francisco office, uh, and we are uh, you know, hiring and growing teams there as well. Um, before coming to Etsy in 2016, uh, I worked in Yahoo Research in California. So I uh, first joined as a, as a research scientist and later as a senior research scientist and later promoted to managing a group of uh, uh, researchers uh, focusing on personalization recommendation as well as some of the uh, mobile search uh, uh, innovations uh, back then. Uh, so that is a path that uh, led me to of uh, uh, figuring out how to best uh, fulfill this, uh, providing the most relevant to user, the most relevant result to users, and then find Etsy is a place that uh, I can uh, grow the team and grow my career. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much of the path. Cool. That's that's quite a move. I mean, that's probably the furthest uh, move you can make, right? Uh, from <laughs> you know Northern California to New, actually, I guess you could technically go from I guess Miami to Alaska or something, but but that's still a pretty uh, far move. Yeah, that's indeed. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. So, kind of you know, f- for someone who who has no, you know doesn't have a background in in machine learning or or in search and relevance, you know, what actually happens when someone types in. Uh, you know, new shoes in Etsy and hits enter. Like, what what actually happens behind the scenes? Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, a lot of things happen uh, back in the scene, and within that, uh, I would say, uh, one hundred milliseconds, we need to figure out uh, how to present uh, the best result for you. So, I would uh, vaguely, on a very high level, divide that into. Um, you know, three phases. One is that we need to understand what is the user intent or uh, what do you really mean you type, you know, a query like wedding dress or, you know, new shoes. So that is the first one, uh, what we call the like uh, uh, query understanding or user intent understanding. Uh, so then 
Uh, with that understood, we need to uh, go to our inventory. Uh, we have um, more than 60, 60 million items uh, in our inventory. So then we need to figure out uh, how we can uh, quickly boil boils down to uh, uh, you know around 1,000 items that seems promising from that uh, inventory through um, uh, search index. Uh, after that, uh, you know, we have uh, around uh, roughly like, you know, 1,000-ish candidates. And then we apply um, sophisticated machine learning model to uh, re-rank that according to um, many things. For instance, like how likely you are going to click on that, how likely you are going to buy that, uh, and so forth, and uh, mixing a lot of signals to get the best uh, result let's say the best top 48 result, which is the first page. Uh, so then we apply additional kind of business uh, rules or ideas, say, hey, you know, there are certain things are free shipping or there's a certain things are in some promotion. So then we would like to pop them up uh, further up. So then we will apply that. Uh, so then we present uh, the final result to the users. So everything I just uh, described, uh, should happen within a 100-ish kind of millisecond and really provide us a very speedy uh, result to users. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's amazing. So going through that kind of line by line. So what would uh, what do you mean by intent? So what are the different intents that that, that someone has on on something like Etsy? Yeah, that's a, also a great question. So um, in Intent or current understanding, basically, we want to understand what are you really looking for. And, uh, you know, like the users would like to use search uh, for, for the things they have specific idea in mind. Oh, I want to buy a gift card for uh, my mother. Uh, I want to, uh, you know, purchase uh, certain things for my wedding. Uh, all the way to a very vague kind of uh, generic terms of okay? So we, we need to understand, uh, do they have a very uh, strong shopping intent or shopping ideas uh, such that uh, we can help them uh, on, you know, quickly on their purchase path or they are in some, some kind of discovery mode where they don't know exactly what they are looking for, but they have some vague ideas. So in that scenario, how we could help them in the discovery mode uh, as well, so uh, shopping intent is a is a way we kind of categorize like how strong, how weak, like your intent or your ideas are, and and so forth. We provide a different kind of mechanisms to uh, surface different items and so forth. Yeah, that makes sense. I think there's a huge difference between you know searching for something specific like iPhone 16 gigabyte versus putting something in like funny if you put in funny you don't really want something with funny in the title i mean that's not the requirement right how how do you know that so so in other words how can you tell uh like what what sort of happens maybe in advance like what sort of processing can you do to figure out okay these words um correspond to something very specific and these other words are just abstractions or generalities 
Yeah, that's probably the core of the challenge of e-commerce search in general. I mean, Etsy is definitely specifically, you know, one such example. So, like, uh, comparing to uh, generic search, like, you know, generic web search, especially, specifically like, you know, Google Bing or even at, in the past, uh, Yahoo, where, where I, I worked, uh, you know, in the past. Uh, e-commerce search, uh, there's a tremendous of ambiguity and also in terms of like, you know, also personalization in terms of that, right? So like, uh, there is no kind of a standard, um, you know, ground truth of relevance, so to speak. Um, so uh, a lot of things we are uh, trying to figure out is uh, how, what the people are looking for and, you know, what kind of thing they would like to buy now, what kind of thing they would like to buy, you know, in the six months down the line, and how do we define relevance uh, you know, quote-unquote relevance on top of that. Uh, so that is definitely, you know, one of the challenges that we are facing. And we're at, you know, um, in my opinion, we're at the very early stage. Etsy uh, is part of that, but I think in general in the e-commerce search, uh, if you try things in Amazon and others, you can easily see, you know, the search experience uh, is not there yet. Like, you know, we, can, we are not at the stage we can easily figure out all these intents uh, you know, in, a, in the current, like, a technology framework. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I, I mean, my guess is um, there would be just a very wide distribution over something like funny. So if, if someone puts in, um, um, you know, iPhone 16 gigabyte, and I guess I'm using Amazon as an example here, um, they're, they're going to look for exactly that iPhone, they're going to buy it, and the precision is going to be pretty high. But if But if someone puts funny... There's probably a huge distribution of, 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 of content that people will, will, will visit based on that search. And from that, you can yeah. kind of guess that, okay, funny is one of these things that isn't tied to any particular product. Yeah, so this is a great example, right? So like that would uh, uh, really differentiate uh, you know, Etsy and, uh, versus Amazon to some degree, right? Because for Amazon, iPhone 64 you know, gigabyte or you know, iPhone 11 Pro, is kind of a standardized kind of a, you know commodity, uh, if you wish. So there is a standard answer to that, and you know to some degree there is a one source of truth of, uh, of, of the, you know a wide range of the things Amazon is offering. Um, actually, however, right? So we uh, you know we are the we we are the global marketplace for unique goods. So there is a lot of things uh, we can quantify as funny. There is a lot of things. You can quantify as a, you know could you know could be appropriate for gift gift for your mother. Uh, so there is no standard answer. So so there's a, or at least very hard to, to to say there is a standard answer. So we we uh, heavily rely on user data, user behavior, and figure out how, what is a you know good thing you might you might be looking for and what is a thing that you feel uh, you, you don't have interest for the moment uh, so that is one of the challenge we have uh, versus uh, amazon's kind of a commodity e-commerce search yeah that makes sense so so in this case you've um we figured out the intent let's say the, the, the person has some specific shopping intent um, and they've put in a couple of keywords but it's not something so specific where you just take them right to, to that to that iPhone. Um, it's something like, you know, yeah, heart pendant for mom or something like that. Um, 
And then you said the next step is we you take your inventory of I think seventeen million and you narrow it down to a thousand uh, candidates. Uh, how does how does that actually work, and what what is that process like? Yeah, so um, we take the item and we you know sorry we take the query right. So then we uh, translate to some intent, and then we match uh, those things with you know in our search index uh, in a very very naive way. You can think you know at least we match with you know query okay funny. Uh, or like we figured, okay, funny, which need, which you know, during period of time of, uh, let's say, Christmas uh, time period. So then we also send Christmas funny into the backend. So then we match things uh, related to Christmas and related to uh, funny. Uh, so basically, we have an inverted index that we could match these terms or these kind of intent, if you wish, or categories. Uh, and then uh, we have some very rudimentary scores that basically representing how likely or how you know how popular or how you know uh, how interested these items are. So then we sort them and we pick the top, let's say one thousand. Then uh, then we return to the second phase. Got it. So could you describe like uh, for, for folks who have never taken say a database class, we have plenty of uh, thousands of people listening who are high school students or just you know starting college. You know what is an inverted index, and how does that let you uh, you know, go through all seventeen million of these items in in less than hundred milliseconds? Yeah, that's a great question. So inverted index basically you can think that is like you know. Uh, you have the keys as uh, you know in a very naive simplistic world are our terms right so like funny is one term uh, Christmas is another term so we build these keys and then we associate each key with a list of uh, product uh, listings in our case like you know each each listing each item is uh, once each item ID is one such Kind of uh, you know value right. So then we say, hey, uh, funny term, uh, you know item uh, ID two sixty, you know forties, uh, and blah blah so and so forth. Uh, these uh, two million uh, items have uh, contain uh, term funny. So then we associate these t- items with that uh, key, um, and then we apply certain uh, mechanism to sort that. And we say, hey, you know, for so this funny. Uh, term uh, for all the uh, items, uh, you know, there are certain items seems more important than the others. So then we build this uh, key value kind of uh, pair associations, uh, and we build for all the terms, all the intents, all the categories. So then you can imagine it's a huge kind of a key value kind of a, uh, you know mapping. Uh, and then when we when we do the retrieval, we basically uh, you know go to the keys and say, okay, how many keys and we're going to uh, hit, and uh, you know, then we get back uh, the top items for each key. Then we blend them, right? We mix them together, and then we say, hey, you know, we want to apply this popularity or interest score, and then we rank that. So that's the basically like very very high level describing how the inverted index works. Got it. Got it. So the idea is like uh, for every, so someone types in, you know, funny shoes for mom. And uh, funny shoes and mom, they all uh, are in this database with a set of documents that are um, 
that are more or less relevant to the to each of those words. And um, then what you could do is you can take the 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 union of all of these documents and then combine the scores in some way where you can kind of crush it down into one score. So if there was a document that had funny shoes and mom in it, then uh, you could you could add up all those scores or in some way you could combine the scores. If there's a document that only had mom in it, maybe it wouldn't it wouldn't score as highly because it didn't have the other ones. Yeah, to some degree, you, yes, that's a pretty much uh, on a very high level with what happens. Cool, that makes sense. Is there any um, sort of are you doing any work with embeddings or anything like that to handle? You know, like for example, someone types shoes and maybe there's this product, but it's boots. But then you could use some sort of mathematical embedding, some 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 vector space where where shoes and boots are really close together. Yeah, this is an area that uh, uh, we are actively invested in. And um, earlier this year, we published a paper regarding like we apply, uh, you know, uh, embedding techniques and building the. Uh, similarity, you know, trying to understand the similarities between items and exactly like you say, like there are certain things, you know, you don't know exactly the keywords, but you, they more or less cor uh, correspond to the same concepts or same kind of, uh, you know, the intent. So then we utilize embedding techniques to uh, smooth uh, and, you know, smooth out the, uh, the, the items such that even though you don't have exactly matching, uh, we still get items that are possibly relevant to the uh, to the quarterly, uh, and you know, so this is a uh, one area that uh, we are also keep the very active eye on how to utilize this further in our search stacks. Cool, that makes sense. So then, then it, it, these thousand items, um, you know, I guess now you have the resources to say let's do a lot more work with these thousand items that we couldn't do with the seventeen million. And that's where, you, as you said, all of this uh, sort of business logic comes in. So you have these sort of hypothetical, uh, you have these models that generate hypotheticals, like will the person, I believe you said, like will the person buy it, will they click on it? Um, but then how do you sort of take, you know, there's this thing is highly multimodal, right? So, so someone can do all these different things. Um, they might spend a lot of time looking at something and they might spend a little bit of time but then buy it. Like how do you at the end of the day, sort when there's so many different things that have value? Yeah, that's a uh, great question. And also it's a, uh, another, you know, core of the challenges of uh, e-commerce uh, search or e-commerce AI in general. Um, so uh, I think, you know, this question has two, two layers. Uh, you know, one is short-term and long-term, the other is long-term. So short-term-wise, uh, we have at least, uh, you know, for Etsy, uh, we have a, a business uh, goal or business metrics we would like to drive for our product, I mean, a lot of our product, including search, uh, which is called generalized uh, merchandise value, GM, GMV, uh, and also for revenue for, you know, advertising as well. Uh, so we basically, you know, use that as a North Star to uh, kind of guide us, like how, what kind of a model we need to build, and what kind of, um, you know, in that, in that, to make, like in your terminology, what sorting mechanism we need to, you know, you know, need to apply. 
Uh, and we also uh, use that as a guidance for us to uh, derive, uh, you know, machine learning pipelines and evaluation kind of a framework. Uh, so you can think that, you know, uh, how to sort, how to weigh, let's say, clicks a little bit more, favorite a little bit more, uh, how to weigh that you don't click anything, you know, you spend how much time on the site. All these are the parameters. And we are seeking, uh, I mean, ideally, the optimal parameter setting such that we optimize this, uh, you know, our North Star metric, which is uh, uh, GMV, our GM, uh, you know, the generalized merchandise value. Mm -hmm. um, and then we launching A-B testing, right? So we're launching, like, you know, A-B testing, and we measure the, the model on real traffic, on real users, and then we see, oh, this model indeed you know, outperform the, uh, you know, the the, trip, uh, the control, uh, which is maybe using the older version of the model or maybe not uh, sometimes not using model at all. Uh, and then, you know, there's a real difference uh, uh, from the A-B testing say, hey, you know, uh, within these two weeks of time we do the A-B testing, uh, let's say there is a, you know, one million or two million dollar uh, you know, these are real dollars, the difference between the control environment. So then we, we could conclude, say, hey, you know, we are, you know, whatever this parameter set up, right, so we, we, we kind of figure out through some mechanism are really uh, doing good in terms of our North Star, uh, you know, the metric. Uh, so this is a short-term kind of you know, things we are doing. And we apply this across the board for our search, for our recommendations and so forth. Uh, but then, of course, there's a, one more challenge, thing because you could say, uh, sure, uh, you know, this sounds reasonable, um, but there are customers come to Etsy, they just want to do discovery. They may not, you know, purchase anything within these two, uh, two weeks of period of time. Uh, so, uh, you know, are they still contributing to the to the business goal? Uh, how do they, like, how do we back? Yeah, I was, I was actually just thinking that, you know, if you do a two-week experiment, everyone who comes to Etsy at least once every two weeks will be represented. But of the people who come, maybe, well, the if, if someone comes once every four weeks, there's a 50-50 chance they won't even be in the data set. Right, right. So that is a, one of the challenges, which is, okay, so we need to figure out this is the long-term value. Long-term meaning like longer than A-B testing time period. Or So how, how that, how, what's the value of that? That's usually we call like, you know, uh, long-term customer value LTV in some, some sense that we need to, uh, you know, assess and investigate what is the impact of our algorithms uh, with LTV, sometimes like, you know, longer than two weeks or sometimes six months or even like sometimes we want to understand for like one year, like, you know, in very long term, what is the value and how can we, you know, even optimizing our model towards long-term value. So that is uh, like, you know, more... Uh, larger challenges and a more like you know in a uh, working progress, I would say. But like in a uh, very high level, we figure out for the short term kind of uh, uh, you know in terms of launching experiments, in, in terms of guiding machine learning models, utilizing GMV as a as a target. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that the long term value stuff is fascinating um, because it's it's almost it almost has to be counterfactual. In other words, you, either that or you need to have experiments that run for an extremely long time um, to, to, to really see, okay, I took this, 
I made this change and it affected the long-term value in this way. You either have to, to wait a long time or you have to do some really clever analysis. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And in fact, we're thinking about that. So A, uh, you know, we are indeed uh, running some of the uh, longer experiments to measure the impact of a lot of the things, uh, you know, we roll out, and especially aggregatively, right? So like, you know, we roll out one thing this week and another thing next week, and each of them have A-B tests, but do they aggregate, like, add up to the, you know, overall impact and so forth? So we are doing a lot of, uh, you know, long-term experiments. Um, but of course, we need analysis as well, right? Because certain things we cannot really run experiments for, like, you know, so for instance, running for years, uh, running for multiple quarters, or there are certain things, you know, there are like, you know, business requirements, certainly, you know, and et cetera, uh, we couldn't be able to run experiments. So then, sure, we need to do uh, a lot of uh, uh, counterfactual, you know, observation study style uh, type of, uh, you know, investigation to measure the uh, the impact. Cool. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. So, the so now we've we we do the ranking, and then I guess at that point the ranking, uh, yeah, the ranked list of of items goes back to whoever requested it. So I guess this would be a uh, it would be a, a web request that would it would, it would go to. It would probably go to some other server, I guess, that would handle um, the front end traffic. Yeah, so like you know, so we, we we can sort of sort of conceptualize this as a front end, you know, as a like PHP layer or you know iOS or uh, Android or apps uh, and sending that thing to a backend server, and then uh, within this backend server, uh, we uh, synthesize and you know combine a result from the inverted index I just mentioned. Uh, and then we apply all this, uh, you know, ML algorithm to uh, optimize GMV uh, if we wish. Uh, so then we also uh, apply additional business rules, as I mentioned, like, hey, you know, we want to maybe promote free shipping, uh, you know, items. We want to promote other sort of uh, items that uh, our kind of, uh, let's say, marketing campaigns want to, want to show. So then those results would return to uh, the... Uh, front-end layer like PHP or, you know, uh, or iOS and certain things, then they will rent those ID results in whatever the format uh, they need to rent. Got it. Yeah, we just had uh, Andy and Dave from the Pragmatic Programmer on the show um, on the, the past episode. And one of the things they were suggesting um, for engineers is, is um, they're saying if you only know one language or if your whole job is just one language, learn another language. That was one of their big suggestions. And it sounds like from what you've described that that this this even if we take away the app and the website design, that even this backend process involves many different languages and technologies. Absolutely. So uh, there is a uh, variety of uh, things we are using here at Etsy, I mean, similar to some other tech companies as well, right? So we have uh, uh, offline, uh, you know, processing, which where where we, you know, generating ideas, validating ideas, and, uh, you know, uh, trying to, you know, write the machine learning algorithms and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. So there we utilize, like, 
uh, Hadoop style, you know, technologies, uh, including Spark, and we also, you know, we are on Google Cloud, so we also heavily utilizing a lot of offerings from Google, you know, as well. Um, and then we have uh, the, the the servers, right? So the server, you know, inverted index, and whatever this backend server I mentioned. Uh, there we use Java, we use Scala, uh, and you know other languages as well to um, you know to write efficient code such that you know things can return within one like millisecond. Uh, and then other you know times when when we do like yeah, the data analysis, for example, right, as, as we talk about like counterfactual analysis, we have data scientists who use R Studio Python. To do a lot of other, you know, data processing as well. So there is a, a variety of tools and languages that uh, uh, the teams are using to to, to get a productive. Cool. What is the the skill that you feel is is most lacking? It doesn't it doesn't have to be a language, but for folks out there who are, um, you know, in college and and um, you know, what is something that that the, the the universities aren't teaching per se, or something where you find it's 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 um, you know kind of um, something that people should pay more attention to. Right, that's a that's a very good topic, and uh, um, I, I think you know in general, uh, currently a lot of universities. Uh, and by the way, like you know, I I, I occasionally talk to uh, university here at uh, New York City, uh, like Columbia University, New York New York University. They are offering. Uh, you know, bachelor bachelor program or master level program in data science, machine learning. Uh, so I have a lot of like you know contacts and uh, you know and interactions with uh, with uh, with the faculties and with uh, prospect uh, students and so forth. I think currently you know a lot of these programs, a lot of these uh, you know degrees offering, I think like uh, on the skill level, right? So in terms of languages or in terms of uh, uh, tools, are are really kind of. Um, uh, you know, getting up to speed, right? So if you want to know, let's say, Python, if you want to know, let's say, NumPy, SciPy, or, you know, some of the TensorFlow, right? So like all these tools, uh, okay, you can get the, you know, training and, uh, you know, programs uh, easily uh, with a sufficient kind of uh, understanding of those tools. Um, I think one of the challenge uh, for the moment is that, uh, you know, applying machine learning, applying AI to a lot of product uh, domains, Require uh, deep understanding of that uh, product domain, uh, like a business, uh, you know, case, business use case, uh, as well as uh, you know, you're looking into everything from a, you know end-to-end -end perspective, right? So, like we just talk about, okay, query coming, I need to understand query, I need to understand how to get the things from the index, uh, I even need to understand what it, what inverted index are. And now I need to understand why we need to rank things according to GMV, not according to, let's say, increase rate or some other things. So understanding that holistic uh, business kind of a scenario uh, and also start to develop ideas to develop intuitions into that, I think we still require tremendous of uh, training and really, you know, get hands on. Uh, you know, into those problems and work on those things. Uh, so, roughly speaking, you know, we have a, a couple of uh, like you know, master level and uh, PhD, even PhD level, uh, really good uh, you know graduates join our 
uh, teams in the past uh, you know two years. Uh, roughly speaking, they you know they get up to speed after you know at least the six to ten months, if not even longer. Really being able to like you know uh, get productive in the field. So that's so I think like the most lacking in in terms of education piece. Uh, is where uh, you know this gap, or you know where the students could uh, get more hands-on in a lot of real-world problems, uh, but at the same time studying those uh, uh, those tools. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. I think the reasoning is always the part that seems to be left off the table. Like for example, um, you see so many of these uh, machine learning boot camps, and what they'll do is they'll uh, you know, give you uh, a set of images and they'll walk you through in TensorFlow how to say whether this is a cat or a dog, right? But then what you end up with is this model that predicts, you know, probability of cat, probability of dog, um, but you don't you don't actually do anything with it. Um, like, so for example, I mean, this is a bit of a contrived example, but if, 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 you, if you got... Um, if you mislabeled in one direction, like you said it was a cat and it was a dog, um, let's say hypothetically nobody really cared that much. But if you mislabeled in the other direction, um, you know, people just stopped using Etsy. Well then, well then that, that, that massively changes, you know, the decisions that you should make based on those probabilities. So even if you think it's a 1% chance it's a, it's a dog, if you, if you say dog and you're wrong and that has huge ramifications, then you know even even ninety nine percent isn't good enough, right? On the flip side, if someone is let's say in discovery mode, maybe you want to show things that you're not confident about, almost on purpose because you want to learn more. And so yeah, actually doing things with the machine learning models and reacting to what happens—that's the part that I feel is completely left out. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I absolutely, I think I agree with you. I think here at Etsy, we use machine learning and think machine learning are not kind of a code block uh, technologies. Uh, we know that they are, uh, have, they, they have real world impact, right? So like recommendations, search results are really uh, presented to millions and millions of our customers and they are using those results to determine, you know, what gifts they are going to buy for their parents, what things they uh, they, they get for their anniversaries and so forth. So uh, the battery recommendation result definitely would drive uh, you know those users away and also have a very real business impact. Uh, so so yeah, so like those things are not just uh, you know one percent or two percent uh, you know uh, numbers in, in in terms of accuracy or precision. Uh, so we look, uh, you know, we constantly looking into how are we really evaluating our results, not just uh, you know talking about the accuracy level, but actually, you know, are people you know satisfying? Are people really uh, return to Etsy because of we, we provide more relevant results and so forth? Yeah, that makes sense. So diving into the machine learning, so there's that part you mentioned where um, you know you've narrowed it down to about a thousand candidates, and you want to know, let's say the probability someone's going to, let's say, click on one of these candidates. Um, like, how do you actually know that? So, I mean, kind of what, what goes into the model? Um, how is the model, you know, created? Yeah, so that's a, you know, uh, 
that's definitely the uh, the challenge uh, or one of the many challenges. Um, so in a nutshell, right, um, we can think we need to formulate it in a machine learning kind of the concept of uh, a supervised learning problem. By supervised, we mean that we have a target or a metric. Uh, then we want to uh, use that target or metric to guide our you know, model training or guide our lear model learning process such that we, we uh, optimize, in our case, uh, maximize certain things. Right? Now, in our case, the target I just mentioned earlier, uh, we can think that is a form of GMV or, you know, uh, how much money you, you can, you know, in a very simplistic way, you can think that is a, how much money uh, we're going to uh, gain. Uh, that is our, like, you know, uh, target. And then we, we say uh, we form um, attributes or features for each of our items, right? So then uh, we gather information like, uh, oh, uh, in the past, how many people are clicking on this thing? In the past, uh, how many people are purchasing this thing? Uh, and how, you know, these people are from which region? So uh, and uh, now what is the contest? Which what time of day or what week of the month? Is this a Christmas uh, season or not? Right. So there's a lot of lot of lot of information from historically how how good how bad you know this item performing from you know tax information that this item has like title description reviews and so on and so forth from uh, you know many other. Uh, data sources as you know as much as possible we could together and we form what we call these attributes and features and we are gathering literally millions and millions of these attributes and then after gathering these attributes and then we have our target like you know the uh, uh, the GMV or the money uh, then uh, we give this um, you know two sides of the problem right so uh, features or attributes uh, that's one side. Another side is, uh, you know, target to uh, generic machine learning, you know, algorithms. Uh, things like, you know, uh, logistic regression, decision trees, deep learning models, and so on and so forth. And let the model trying to figure out what is the best, you know, uh, the mechanism such that we can associate with, we can associate you know, features with the target. Then we learn the model, get the model out of those uh, uh, learning algorithms. So this is this is a, on a very very high level how we figure out uh, you know to rank things to optimize our business uh, uh, metric. Cool, that makes sense. What about how do you sort of capture somebody's you know style? Like for example, if I like blue shirts. Um, or, or let's say I don't like shirts with buttons, which is actually kind of true. I, I, I almost never try to wear things with buttons because I feel like I'll become a product manager if I wear too many shirts with buttons. Okay. Um, how do you uh, how do you sort of capture? There's there's so many different contexts, so many different you know aspects to someone's style, and and the information you have is is kind of what they've looked at. How can you sort of compose all of that to? Uh, to, to figure out someone's style so that next time someone types in blue shirt, they get the, the polo. Right. So, A, we need to understand, right, for each item, 
what styles uh, or what you know kind of uh, styles the uh, each item uh, is belong to. Uh, so that is you know step one. Uh, so there we you know have machine learning uh, you know experts from my team and we also partner with uh, you know domain experts inside Etsy. So then we come up forty three kind of styles uh, to categorize all the listings, all the items here at Etsy. So then we develop uh, basically classifiers, uh, machine learning classifiers that we can classify you know. One of our uh, 60 million items into those uh, 43, you know, styles. Right. So then each uh, listing you could think belong to this space of styles, and you know, this might be, uh, you know, 80% to uh, uh, more, uh, you know, mid-century modern, and not, you know, another thing belong to another, uh, you know, styles. So we we first get this information, then. We need to understand user preference, right? So, okay, so as a user come to the to the site, uh, depending on their past behaviors, what is the distribution? What is the preference distribution over these styles? Okay, each user would have a you know distribution uh, over styles. Uh, no. Uh, so after these two steps, right? So we get the style, you know, kind of a dis- uh, category for each item. We get a style profile preferences for each user. Wait, can can you dive into a little bit on that second part? I wasn't, I'm not totally clear on how do you know the. Do you ask the users uh, like a survey or? Well, in our current you know uh, way, we basically look at what kind of styles things you click, you purchase, you search. Oh, I see. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Then we aggregate that, right? We build a model on top of that. We do the profiling, and then we get the user, you know, preference over that. Uh, and then the third step, which is basically matching your, you know, profile versus this, uh, the, you know, database of all the styles, or, you know, all the items with styles. So then we, you know, match that, right? So then we get, let's say, oh, these are top one hundred scenes matching your, you know, past style kind of uh, behaviors in the past. Uh, then we, you know, further apply, you know, all the, you know, mechanics that I mentioned. Okay, but within this 100, right, which one, you know, you would like to purchase, you know, most, and so on and so forth. So then we, you know, uh, apply those uh, those things again. So that's basically the very high level of process how to apply style. Cool. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And then that that has to somehow make its way back into that um, um, that uh, reverse index. So that you can you can index on the styles. Yes, exactly right. So like all these are additional information you know we uh, we get uh, you know to to help us understand user behaviors because user behavior is very very complex. So like you know there are certain there, there might be certain users always like stick to their styles, but there are certain users right. So like they they buy gifts for their friends. They may not you know looking look for things for themselves. So oh, that's uh, true. Yeah, so there are a lot of variations. So, like, uh, how to understand users and how to understand like all the behaviors uh, is a very complex. Yeah, that's really fascinating. You, I mean, it's funny. Uh, Netflix. I, I don't know how this came to my mind, but Netflix is very explicit. It says, "Hey, who's watching the, the Netflix right now?" And so, if my son is watching, uh, he knows to switch over to his name. But but for something like this, it's it's 
there's still that multi-modality, but you just, it's, it's not explicit. So you, there's, Etsy doesn't pop up and say, hey, are you shopping for yourself? Um, you have to kind of figure that out based on what the person is doing. Yeah, right. So, like, hypothetically, we would love to uh, have customer telling us, like, you know, uh, what mission they are on and, you know, how, how, how we, we could help. Uh, but, like, you know, we're in a much more uh, implicit way, right? So, like, we have to figure out from user, like, how they interact with the site and, then, you know, a lot of contextual information we get and trying to guess or, you know, try to best guess, so, like, what is your intent and uh, you know how to how to do that. So it's a it's a very very uh, you know big challenge. Yeah, this sounds like an enormous effort. I mean, I don't know if if uh, uh, feel free to be really rough uh, with these numbers, but like roughly, like how many people are involved in in this effort, and and what's the growth trajectory been like, and and uh, like how are you uh, expected uh, expecting this team to grow? It seems like it's a, a huge effort. Yeah, that's a, also a great question. Um, so, when I joined Etsy like in 2016, we had roughly five folks working in like machine learning kind of a space. Including oh, five very busy people. <laughs> yeah, very, very busy. Uh, but, uh, uh, so we grew from there, right? So right now, we're in between 30 and 40. And of course, like we're going to grow more. Um, but having said that, I, I, I want to emphasize is that, um, A, uh, you know, we, we probably are not going to do something like big companies where, uh, you know, solving problems is basically scaling up teams, right? So, like, hiring hundreds and hundreds of uh, machine learning engineers, data scientists to figure out every single, you know, problems. So, we probably are not, you know, on that trajectory. Um, which also opened up the door where we could look at things holistically and, you know, come up with better, you know, technical solutions, right? So, for instance, you know, uh, we are the same, we are, we are with a single team trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, uh, provide the best result for uh, search desktop, search mobile, search in-app. Uh, I know, I do know that in some of the other companies, these are different teams. Uh, now, in our case, we are the same team. So we have the opportunity to provide a, a model, a framework, such that could work the best in three different, uh, you know, contexts, uh, but without, like, saying, you know, uh, scaling up the team, right? So, like, each individual uh, could work on a more technical challenge problems, similar to our recommendation problems. Like, we, we have uh, more than 50 pages and modules require recommendations, right? But like we do not have that number of people uh, versus some companies, each team working on one page, one module, we have the opportunity to work out a framework such that, you know, let's say one model or one type of model could power multiple modules and power multiple pages. Uh, so that's where we would like to, you know, really use technology, use innovations uh, to scale up the, the opportunity to really, you know, meet, uh, meet the needs. Yeah, that makes sense. I think another part of it, which you mentioned earlier, is is um, that you you're using the uh, like Google Cloud, um, and it was similar. I believe Netflix uses uses AWS. But, you know, a lot of the um, uh, a lot of companies are you know, relying on cloud services, and and I think from the purpose of someone who's looking for a career, um, 
it, it really encourages people again to, to to just try and be polymaths, right? So if if you have to build the entire cluster from the ground up, and, and and on day one you're trying to write a distributed file system, then you need, as you said, just a huge army of people, and you could be the you know distributed file system person who's writing you know C um, uh, message uh, you know zero MQ code all day. Um, but mm-hmm. at Etsy, if you have 30 people handling all of search, then every one of those people, each one of those people needs to be you know, a true polymath. Um, and that's that's something where, um, I, again, just learning a lot of languages, learning a lot of technologies, and probably trying to build one of these systems. I mean, if you're running on the cloud, then anybody out there listening could also build something like this on the cloud um, and, and, and kind of play around with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. So what is next? Like, I know, I mean, there's, um, you know, AI, machine learning, obviously still hot topics. I don't know if we're at, I really don't think we're at peak machine learning, although it's, it's, it's really, really high up there. Um, we might be peak big data, um, but there's still a lot of ground to cover on machine learning. Um, what, is, what is Etsy doing, you know, in the future? What, what, is, what are some really cool search ideas that we should see coming out? Yeah, so I think, you know, I agree with you. I think we are, uh, as I mentioned earlier, right, so in the multiple fronts, we are in a very early stage. Uh, not only us, like I also believe uh, ML or AI for e-commerce uh, also very early stage. Um, so, like, you know, we definitely need to uh, keep investing in search, like, you know, searching the uh, in, a, in a narrow kind of a context, meaning maybe like we discussed primarily, you know, in today's like in the program, uh, where you type a keywords, let's say we want to provide the most relevant or most you know promising results, we would like to buy quickly. So that's kind of a you know narrow sense of the uh, search. So we definitely need to keep doing that and you know providing better better service on that. Um, but I also I want to highlight like there is also a, a equivalent, more or less equivalent, uh, you know, amount of effort we are seeking is uh, discovery, right? So like, uh, you know, we briefly talk about that a little bit. It's like, okay, I don't know what to, you know, what, what to look for, uh, after. And uh, I'm, I don't even have a query in my head. Uh, but I, I like to, you know, come to Etsy and browse a little bit and then, you know, go from page to page. How can I you know, discover my needs, right? So, like, you know, such kind of thing. Oh, interesting. Um, Can you dive into that a little bit from the UI experience? Like, what what does that is that just when people go to Etsy.com without a without a query? Yeah, we we, we definitely have a lot of people come to Etsy.com without a query. Uh, we have a homepage. We you know, there's a lot of modules and help you, right? So, hey, you know, these are the things you might be you know uh, might be interesting. These are the things. From your the shop you purchased in the past, uh, and so forth, so and so forth. There's a lot of uh, mechanisms uh, we help you to discover uh, new things, and uh, there are a lot of you know, other pages uh, other than the search page uh, serving the functionality of discovery and trying to you know speed up that process. Yeah, if we if you have time, it'd be really interesting to dive into that, um, like. It, how do you sort of handle that where there's no, because now you, you still have that 17 million, was it 17 or 70 million 
60, sorry, 60, 60, 60, okay. So you have that 60 million sized inventory and now you don't have any query. How are you able to still meet that SLA um, and and get results quickly? Right, that's another, like I mentioned, like uh, almost another half of our effort, which is uh, what we call discovery or slash recommendation, right? So basically you can think recommendation is kind of the process without query, like, you know, a lot of other, uh, you know, the companies and, uh, you know, uh, apps are doing like a so-called queryless, kind of a search queryless, like a push or recommendation. So there we heavily utilize your past behaviors, right? So they say, hey, you know, you purchase the things from this shop, uh, and it seems like there are similar things from the same shop. shop. Are you, uh, you know, are you interested, right? So, and also, you purchase the things uh, in this style, and there are like other things seems uh, you know from the same style, uh, also from similar kind of categories. Are you are you interested, right? So like we we harvest uh, heavily heavily on your past behaviors to give your recommendation to guess what you are looking for without even asking you, without you providing a, a query, right? We also provide you know kind of a recommendation when you do the browsing, right? You go to the listing page, and then on the listing page, there are modules showing other similar listings. Like sometimes it's uh, similar from the same shop, meaning like same shop might offer other things you would, uh, uh, you would like to buy, or like, you know, visually similar, right? So, okay, so you are interested in this painting with a, with a beer, uh, with a bear, and uh, you know, there are other of paintings with a bear there. So how about you know? Yeah. How about you, know, you browse that a bit, right? So like we utilize that quite a bit and they're trying to uh, you know do the recommendation for you. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean bears are awesome. <laughs> what, what, so uh, what about um, how do you prevent? So let's say someone puts in bear, or, or let's say let's take a step back. Let's say someone makes a bear. I don't know coffee mug on Etsy, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Um, well, maybe something more esoteric than. Let's say hypothetically there aren't any bear con- there isn't any bear content on Etsy. Someone makes the first bear mug. Um, someone types bear and they find that bear mug, and then that person kind of becomes the source of truth for bear, and and then they end up with a lot of clicks. And then because they have a lot of clicks, they're the number one result. And then because they're the number one result, they have a lot of clicks. And there's this sort of like winner take all phenomena where now if I try to make my own bear mug, um, I can't compete with these people who have already been on the site for a long time. Yeah, that's a really, really uh, great question. So Etsy is a two-sided marketplace, right? So we have buyers, we have sellers. We constantly look into how to optimize. A lot of things we talk about today are primarily from a buyer perspective. Uh, but we do care and care very much about our sellers, right? So, like, whoever are entrepreneurs and, you know, these folks are um, making goods and, and, you know, creating things, uh, you know, and offering for the, for the buyers. And, you know, growing that audience is, is also very, uh, very, very important. And, maintain, you know, retain that uh, you know, audience is also very, very important. Uh, this is not an easy problem, right? So, like... Uh, in a lot of scenarios, yes, there might be a phenomenon of winner takes all because, like, the things you are selling are are good. Like, you know, you, you, 
performing very well, and there's a there's a reason your your things are are performing very well, and the system kind of remember that and trying to promote uh, same same type of thing. Um, but we also are very cautious of this kind of uh, you know winner takes all kind of a, a phenomenon and trying to help boost uh, new sellers or you know new items. Uh, you know, in recommendations literature, we call code start, right? So we don't have data, uh, but you know, we cannot we cannot assume they are like, they are bad or they are like not performing. It's just now like nobody you know we haven't shown them before. So we are constantly uh, testing different algorithms, ideas to uh, come back with uh, code start and trying to promote uh, uh, new sellers and new items to accommodate this situation. But this is not a Easy problem, like you know how we how we serve the uh, buyers, uh, you know, at the at the, the most uh, you know most relevant way. At the same time, keep a very very viable marketplace, such that everybody or let's say a lot of folks in the in the seller side have a share. Uh, that's a, that's definitely one of the challenges. Yeah, it seems as if uh, there's it's very empirical, right? I mean, it's 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 um. It's almost impossible to come up with some kind of closed form that 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 will tell you how to trade off uh, uh, learning more about some new item versus showing the the best thing you've ever seen. It seems like that uh, it's always going to come down to some sort of empirical analysis. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, we also have other channels, right? So, like sellers, uh, if they are willing. They can participate in our promoted listing program. It's like a you know outside uh, you know advertising program where they could spend some budget to uh, significantly boost their listings within our system. Uh, we we do offer such opportunities and uh, and you know in in those scenarios we also utilize machine learning in various places to determine. How to best show your thing? So, like, if uh, a lot of sellers, have, you know, in fact, are utilizing our program to uh, to show their things and to boost their things uh, through their reach and through, the, of course, using some budget. Uh, so, so yeah, so like, we're definitely looking into like various of channels to uh, accommodate the, the the issue. Yeah, that makes sense. It gets into some really deep sort of economic analysis that. Uh uh, they would have to do, and I'm sure you'd help them with. Um, you know, it's, it's like um, if I show this advertisement for my product with the you know expected value of my campaign or my lifetime on Etsy go up. If so, then then you you'd spend the money on the on the advertisement to sort of build the brand, um, and it becomes this sort of short term, long term thing again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Cool. So, what about you know? One thing I've noticed is there's a, a ton of companies getting on board with you know, open source and with academia. Um, I think even um, some companies are usually like pretty closed doors. They're starting to publish papers and do open source. What is what is Etsy's um, sort of, how do they feel about the whole open source thing and information sharing and sort of what do you folks do there and, and why do you do it? Yeah, this is a good question. So, if you look at uh, GitHub, uh, Etsy has uh, you know repositories on GitHub and uh, you know public available with uh, a wide range of repositories there. Um, 
and we have blog posts uh, constantly publishing, uh, you know, some of the uh, interesting things, learnings, and experiences that our engineering teams, including like my teams, are, are you know, are having here at Etsy. Um, and in terms of my team specifically, we go to a lot of different uh, conferences, meetups, uh, you know, conferences including, uh, you know, academic uh, conferences, you know, industry conferences, and we um, do talks and we, you know, sometimes publish papers. Uh, we, you know, do presentations. And, we, you know, we, we have a very kind of open uh, and collaborative attitude, I would say, towards uh, you know, open source community towards like uh, the uh, tech community in general uh, to be part of that, to contribute and also you know facilitating uh, you know a lot of things. Um, I think you know in terms of the reasons, there are two major reasons I think are very uh, important. One is uh, like I mentioned, right? So machine learning, way for e-commerce, I think it's a very early stage. Uh, the more people in general are you know. Are is interesting in that uh, the better solutions the term in terms of technology in terms of uh, you know the uh, the solutions we are building can build on uh, uh, larger communities right so like you know recommendation uh, kind of system community only exists after you know Netflix competition uh, you know almost like ten years ago uh, and also like you know people get excited about uh, you know deep learning and so forth. Well, because like you know, AlphaGo kind of a related thing published from like you know DeepMind from Google. So there's a you know the uh, you know a larger impact of getting uh, you know evolving a community and being able to talk about technical solutions and get excited about that. So that is a one. Second is of course like you know the hiring and uh, getting talents are super super critical for us to uh, you know work on those exciting exciting. Uh, problems. Uh, when we go out and talk to candidates, uh, they value uh, we are part of the larger community and they also value that uh, we could talk about a lot of things like today we discussed. Now, if we say, hey, everything just proprietary, like we can't talk, uh, then it's a very unlikely we can, you know, really stir the interest from our candidates. Uh, so, you know, by really being uh, you know, open enough and be kind of a, uh, play a big role, or you know, trying to play some some you know, even bigger role in this community uh, would help us to establish reputation and would help us to attract uh, you know the top talent. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I think I saw something recently that said one of the best things someone can do from their career is to build sort of a personal brand. And when you look at at academics. Um, you know, they could go into university and become a professor and they'll have extremely strong personal brand. Um, they'll teach the courses under their own name, uh, they'll write papers under their own name. Um, and so if, if, if industries such as Etsy um, keep everything closed off, then, then someone will say, well, you know, why, why would I not uh, go into academia where I can represent myself? And so, yeah, I think it's, it's hugely important. What, uh, speaking of, of hiring folks from academia, what sort of positions do you have? Where, where, um, you know, where, what, where are the offices where there are, are uh, search folks? And um, are you guys hiring? What kind of roles? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're like I mentioned a little bit earlier, right? So like we are growing and uh, we are hiring uh, data scientists and machine learning engineers uh, both here at uh, New York City office as well as our San Francisco office. Uh, so you know we have um, constant openings in, in these two uh, offices, and in general, like at Engineering, or like hiring in these two offices as well as uh, Toronto uh, office, and we have Dublin office as well. So like we're oh cool, uh, yeah, growing in these couple of different uh, locations. Uh, in terms of roles, like we are generally hiring folks with machine learning background and we vaguely kind of divide it into two kind of type of roles. One is called data scientists and the other is called machine learning engineers. Basically, you know, we are looking for folks with uh, a lot of, uh, you know, modeling background, really interested in pushing the, you know, last couple miles of our, you know, model performance and thinking about the new methodologies, thinking about the new ideas, like as a like you know uh, data scientist, and we would like somebody with a very strong uh, system level, uh, you know, engineering design, as well as uh, you know, pretty much equally uh, understanding of machine learning to help us build you know offline pipelines, uh, serving systems, as we you know mentioned as uh, like. Backends uh, as a machine learning engineers. So these are the two, like you know, on very high level, uh, two kind of roles that we're hiring in Brooklyn, New York City office, and uh, San Francisco office. Cool. So, so one question we get a lot is is from people who um, they they want to know how to best get one of these jobs, right? So. Um, you know, they, they, they might have got a degree in, let's say, petroleum engineering. Um, and, and so they're, you know, coming to programming for the first time. Um, they might even have a very strong mathematical background, but maybe not a programming background. And the questions we get are, you know, should I go back and get another four-year degree? Should I do the, you know, Coursera or Udacity or these other uh, MOOCs and get sort of some of these nano degrees? Um, should I jump into one of these in-person boot camps? You know, what's your feeling there? I mean, obviously, for some of these uh, um, very mathematically oriented roles, um, you know, having a let's say a PhD in math or in computer science would be preferred. But um, uh, what are sort of like you know other ways uh, that people can sort of get those skills? Yeah, that's a great question, and I think some part of this uh, also echoes, uh, you know, a little bit earlier discussion on the, um, you know, on the on some of the master programs and the bachelor programs. So in general, I would say uh, there is no one answer to you know everybody. Um, uh, so one thing I want to mention that we have we you know currently in our teams we have a very diverse background. Like, you know, these 30-ish people, half of folks have PhD degrees, half of folks have master's degrees. And if we look at their backgrounds, we have folks, of course, from computer science, but we also have folks from uh, electric, electricity, sorry, electrical engineering, operational research, statistics, economics, physics. Like, we have, a, uh, you know, actually a pretty wide diversity in terms of the backgrounds and uh, you know where their degrees are you know coming from, 
Um, so that's why I would say, like, you know, there's no one, you know, short answer. Any from interviews, we are actually interviewing a, a pretty wide net because uh, we would like to be uh, inclusive and uh, uh, trying to find the best uh, people, not just looking at your uh, resume, like a one line of education. So we actually interview, like, you know, political science, uh, you know, um, uh, nuclear, you know, physics, you name it, like to, you know, astrophysics, or like a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, different uh, kind of education background. Um, so the current situation is like, like we talked about in the early right? so it's hard to say, uh, oh, the best shot is just go back to your master program or just do this uh, 12 week intense training. Uh, because, like, you know, after that, each person. Uh, still differs because of their individual's kind of experience. So I would say, um, you know, in general, it's like if if we really want to, you know, give some advice to individuals, we, we would tend to say like, you know, just look at your own experience and then we can, you know, think about where you are in three to five years and really build, start to build or start to think about the path, you know, to that, right? So like, hey, you know, I'm a, uh, just a software engineer without machine learning background, but I'm really interested in that. Okay, so if my goal is to grow into a hardcore machine learning engineer in three to five years, here here are the steps I might take, right? Or I say that I have zero even coding background, but I'm, I'm strong in math, like I have a math degree. Uh, I want to be this kind of person to do some applied research uh, Okay, so in the five, three to five years time frame, uh, what are the steps I could take? So I think that that's that, uh, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, currently has to be kind of personalized. Uh, mm -hmm. So then like, each person can take their own path. Yeah, that totally makes yeah. sense. Cool. Um, what is, you know, if someone uh, interviews, like what, what is that experience like? Yeah, so we have a, a kind of a standardized interview process, uh, which, like you know, very very similar to you know most of the typical kind of uh, uh, tech companies. Uh, so we have uh, two rounds of uh, phone interviews. Uh, you know, the first one is to test whether you have some basic coding kind of you know background, uh, not necessarily you know, solving, you know, kind of a coding puzzles, but like, hey, do you understand data structure? Do you understand, you know, uh, you know, for loop and, you know, many, many kind of basic yep. uh, ideas. Uh, the second phone interview, we tend to look, uh, you know, look at whether you understand machine learning basics, right? Because uh, believe it or not, uh, in the current hype of AI and, uh, you know, machine learning, there's a huge amount of people sort of understand deep learning, but they don't understand logistic question. They don't know what uh, supervised learnings are. They don't understand, right, right. you know, regression. So we go to the basic, and then we, we're asking, like, textbook level kind of a concept, okay, do you understand this thing? So that is our second, you know, phone screen. After two rounds of phone screens, we bring people on site, right? So in on-site interview, uh, interviews, we have a couple of slots. We have, again, coding, you know, whiteboard-ish coding kind of a slot, basically, you know, typical uh, coding questions. And then we have uh, 
so-called applied machine learning kind of slot. So basically, we present you a real-world uh, problem, uh, you know, kind of abstract a little bit from uh, Etsy's real-world business, and then we say, okay, here's a scenario, right? Imagine that, you know, you work with a product manager, and this is a things that the product manager come, come up. Uh, you, as a new member in data science team, uh, want to uh, figure out what is the solution, how do you present the solution, right? So how do you think about this problem? Uh, so then we, in that uh, 60 minutes kind of a slot, uh, you know, the candidate would walk through uh, a, a solution with our you know, data scientists in the team. Uh, so we have two such sessions. Uh, then we also have a system design slot. So basically, uh, we look at, okay, great, so you have this idea, right? Uh, but how, how can we get the result back within 100 milliseconds, right? So like, which process you need to do online, which process you need to do offline, like, you know, you need to cache things somewhere, like where do you store those things, and so forth. Like, can you draw a very simple system diagram to talk about the, the things you just mentioned? Uh, so we have one that's, that, uh, such session as well. Uh, so then, you know, this is our kind of a typical, uh, you know, on-site kind of, a, you know, interview process. So then we have two rounds of full screen and a couple of uh, slots on-site uh, interviews. Very cool. Yeah, I think, you know, just to um, you know, recap some of the things we said earlier, um, you know, trying to actually build the, these things by yourself, I think, is one of the best ways um, to, to get prepared for an interview like this. Um, now, of course, not all of us have uh, a site with 60 million items uh, in it or anything like that. I mean, it could be just a bunch of synthetic data. Um, but but all of these are problems that, that, that people could experience in simulation right now. So someone could create a, um, a set of 60, uh, 60 million set of, of, of random vectors and then try to find the nearest neighbor and realize that, that they need to build some data structures and things like that. Um, obviously, the 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 kind of courses and things you can find on the internet will help as well. Um, but yeah, it sounds like you know getting some hands-on experience is something that could really help people. Yeah, that's actually you know one thing uh, I actually mentioned to some candidates when we you know talk because uh, you know I just uh, you know ask a very similar questions we you know started this uh, this uh, you know this program, uh, which is like you know we. Uh, can you imagine a process, right? You have to type the keyword uh, to Amazon, to Etsy, uh, how do we get the result back, right? So like, that's a, like a mind exercise, like a thought exercise. Uh, you know, how, 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 how do you do that? And how do you break down the system? How do you talk about each component? And, uh, you know, several companies will say, well, yeah, I never thought about like that. Like, you know, we, we never really try to reason, you know, about that, right? So, and in fact, you could do that uh, thought exercise to a lot of things, right? So, like, imagine how to do that for the scale of uh, Amazon, or do you know recommendation in the scale of Netflix or you know Google search, right? So, like, how do you propose a system, or how do you think about that? Uh, I think you know uh, building some uh, you know cases and exercise uh, some thought you know thought exercise, and also like you know, like you mentioned, right? So, generating some synthetic data, uh, play around are really good uh, steps to get some intuitions into these domains. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Um, so the the Etsy um, blog, there's an Etsy machine learning blog, correct? 
Uh, we do not have a separate one for the moment. Oh, we have it's a, part of the engineering blog. Yes. Yes. Got it. Okay. Cool. So that's I'll we'll, we'll, I'll I'll search that up and and put a link in the show notes. Cool. And you're on Twitter. It's it's um, it's uh, Hong Liangji on Twitter, yes. right? And uh, yes. we'll put a link to that also in the notes. Um, okay. Cool. This this was super super interesting. I think you know this is one of those things that that you know Google is probably one of the first things that people do when they get a computer uh, mm-hmm. like today. I mean, when I when I got my first computer, I didn't have internet, uh, but um, but you know today that's probably one of the first things people do is is search, right? And so it, it just seems kind of for many people just just magical that that they type things into Etsy and and get results. It just it seems like. Uh, um, there might even be, I mean, th- there's probably people who think that there's some human in the loop um, just because it is one of these things that it's just so incredibly remarkable how how um, how you can search through so much content so quickly. And I think you did an amazing job of kind of breaking it down um, into those components, um, you know, talking about like the sublinear uh, uh, ranking, you know, the uh, reverse indexing and all of that. Um, and hope, I really hope that people and believe that people at the end of this have kind of now a holistic understanding. And, and now if they want to deep dive into any of these topics, like, uh, you know, if they want to f- find out like what it actually is a reverse index, how can I code one myself? Um, they have all of the right terminology and they have the right mental model to really dive deep um, on, on these topics. So I really appreciate you. I'm coming on and and, and uh, explaining a lot of this to people, um, and it's been really exciting. I've learned a lot about Etsy and their processes and and uh, um, uh, and, and how the, like the whole thing is organized. Yeah, yeah, sure. So absolutely. So uh, I also feel this is a really really great opportunity for us to explain how you know Etsy search works and also lay out the challenges that we have and. Uh, uh, talking about like you know a lot of interesting things we are working on, and how we could move forward. So uh, you know I also appreciate the opportunity uh, to chat with you too. Cool. One one last question: Are there internship opportunities, or is it uh, only full time? Yes, we do have interns. Uh, so last couple of years we had interns coming here working on projects, uh, and you know people get excited about that. So we are hiring interns actually. You know, just go to our career page. Uh, so we are hiring interns in the, the same location, but you know, New York City, and as well as a San Francisco office uh, for data science interns. Cool, cool. So, folks out there, if you're in university, um, you know, this is an amazing opportunity. Definitely check it out. And um, thank you again, Langji, for for coming on the show. Thank you yeah, for having you. me here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. The intro music is AXO by Binar Pilot. Programming Throwdown is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 2.0 license. You're free to share, copy, distribute, transmit the work, to remix, adapt the work, but you must provide uh, attribution uh, to uh, Patrick and I and uh, share alike in kind.